are able as we honor God. That's why we stand during uh, the reading of Scripture, because we truly believe as followers of Jesus that God gives us love and the promise and his truth. And so we honor God with everything, but especially his truth in, in a key scripture for today. It's one of my favorites, actually. And, and if I get that opportunity, I will be preaching here in a couple weeks. You might hear my next favorite. And my next, I, I got a lot of favorites, all right? I'm a pastor. But this one is from, from a time in the people of God's life. They are, they are people that are hurting. They're people that are at a crossroads, God actually sent them to the promised land. So he had a promise. He said, I'm going to get you there. I'm going to prepare that land for you. He did it. And then they screwed up. And so God allowed another people to conquer them. So can you imagine you've actually lived God's promise out? He's given it. And now it almost seems like he's taken it away. So for generations, they haven't been in Jerusalem. And they're hurting. And so Isaiah comes to them and speaks to them, this prophet. And there's such truth in this, but it's a complex one. And it's all about a fork in the road. Let's listen to this. From Isaiah chapter 30. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you refused and said, No, we will flee upon horses, therefore you shall flee. And we will ride upon swift steeds, therefore your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five you shall flee until you are left like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Therefore he will rise up to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Truly, O people in Zion, inhabitants of Jerusalem, you shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Though the Lord may give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself any more, but your eyes shall see your teacher. And when you turn to the right, or when you turn to the left. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So for those of you who have been at Living Waters for a while, you don't have to adjust your television sets right now. I am not Pastor Bob. I'm not Pastor Corey. I'm not Pastor Alex, who has been with you for the last few months. No, I'm Pastor Dan Dornfeld, and uh, I come originally from a land of bounteous cheese and dairy. Yeah, I know. Oh, no. Oh, no. God still loves you. Yes, I come from Wisconsin, and uh, honestly, this morning, I actually cut myself and green and gold poured out. <laughs> That's a Packer joke. Okay, thank you. Bison fans, you can be okay. B Viking fans, I weep for you, and it's okay. But I'm so honored to be here because I have been good friends with Pastor Bob. So for years, we'd get together every week, and we'd get to share about ministry, and we'd get to share about uh, how things are going in each of our settings. And uh, um, so in so many ways, I've prayed for you and with you, and uh, it's been an honor to be here today as well. 
Um, but years ago, for, uh, for my undergrad, I was a religion major, and uh, in Wisconsin, if I get too close, I'm sorry, especially those of you in the front row. Yeah, you're welcome. There's also a spit zone, so I just got to warn you about that, too. Um, but for my undergrad, I went to Carthage College, which is a Lutheran school in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is right on Lake Michigan, and it's between Milwaukee and Chicago. And we affectionately called it Kenowhere. That's right. Because <laughs> it felt like nowhere. You're kind of by something, but you're really not. And uh, for my religion major, I got actually the opportunity for a J term or a January term for three weeks. Um, you got to do an experience. And this one was, it, w- it was amazing. It was to work with Habitat for Humanity. So Habitat, for those of you who don't know it, it's this organization that actually makes housing affordable for people. They build homes. They renovate homes for people that normally wouldn't be able to do that. And so I thought, what a gift. Are you kidding? I can make a difference and get college credit for this? Sign me up. And so I did, and um, the, the housing site was actually in Racine, which is next to Kenosha, and, uh, or Kenowhere. And... Uh, the guy, actually, this is, this is going to blow your minds, those of you who are, uh, who are 30 or under. Do you know the guy had to give me directions? And I had to write it down. So, just to be clear, we had phones and cell phones, but they weren't like, you know, they weren't like this. And you couldn't play games on them. And you couldn't, Siri didn't talk to you through them. And you also couldn't get directions through them. They didn't guide you on this. Can you believe this business? This is what the phones look like. I kid you not. Yeah, that is bigger than my five-year-old son, by the way. Crazy. Look at that. There's just dials. I mean, there's no screen. This is, this is wild stuff. And so the guy actually gave me directions over the phone, and I wrote it down on a piece of paper with a pen. Crazy, right? So I was writing it down. He's saying, okay, Dan, here's where you have to go. You have to go a long ways. You're going to take a left there. You're going to go for a couple miles. You're going to take a right. And he's giving me the directions. I'm writing them down. He said, you're going to get to an intersection. And in that intersection, Dan, you need to take a left. If you take a right, you are dead. I I said, (laughs) he's like, I'm not kidding. He said, there's gang activity. So if you take that turn, you're dead. I said, could you give me that direction one more time? <laughs> and I wrote it down, starred it, underlined it. And it, it was one thing to get the directions, and it was just shocking. I'm like, where am I going? This is for college credit. Okay, I'm going to try this. And you can bet your bottom dollar, because we all bet our bottom dollars. And I, I was going through the directions. I got to that intersection. And you can bet I sat at that intersection, like looking at the directions, like this is the intersection. This, I, I'm going to take a left. But the crazy thing is, as I got to that fork in the road, you can only go left, you can only go right. And I feel like for us as followers of Jesus, you get to the fork in the road, and I I looked at it, I'm like, okay, if I take a right, he's telling me I'm dead. And if I take a left, that's the right way to go. That's the one to life. But I looked, and they didn't look different. The neighbor looked the same. I didn't look in it. It didn't look like this, Okay. I didn't look at one side and there was like storm clouds and gloom and doom and like daggers coming out at me. You know, it wasn't like that. And I didn't look to the left, you know, the opposite of this. I didn't see sunshine and rainbows and butterflies and unicorns running. Didn't see that. 
It looked more, it looked just either way. It looked the same. It was like that. If I hadn't listened to him, I wouldn't know the right direction to go. If I hadn't listened to him, my life was not in my hands. Are you sitting in that right now? You at the fork of the road? Are you in Kenowhere? Just wondering, which way is it, God? You see, the people of God, this is thousands of years ago in the time of Isaiah. This is hundreds of years before Jesus. They are broken. They're hurting. They're suffering. And they're at a fork of the road. So verse 21 tells us this. And and this is powerful. This is a piece of scripture that I've had sitting on my shelf for years. I've looked at it since before I became a pastor, um, when I actually had hair, and it it was crazy. But I've had this for years. And I love this promise. So if you want, like, if you want a piece of scripture that you need, this might be it. Isaiah 30, verse 21. This is God talking, okay? When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Beautiful, right? You get to that fork in the road, you know there's one choice or another choice, and we have the promise. I mean, this is a promise from God himself saying, you will hear my voice saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Beautiful, right? Okay, so I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 12 years. I've been an active Christian all my life. And I get to that fork in the road. I'm like, God, thank you for that because I am going to pray just really hard. I got to that fork in the road. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to listen. And I have never heard God telling me clearly, this is the way. Walk in it. But I have the promise. And so do you. And I think when we open our Bibles, when we actually do that, it's crazy. You know, when we blow the dust off them and open it up, it's been sitting on that shelf. When you open it up, it, I think it gives this illusion that God speaks to everyone and their brother and their cousin. He spoke to Moses and Noah, and he spoke to this guy and that gal, and he's always talking and acting. And then in my life, I get to the fork in the road. I'm saying, God, which is it? What's the decision? Do I take a left? Do I take a right? And I don't hear his voice. Do you? Are you sitting in it right now? And you're hurting. And I'm guessing there are a few of you today who are. And if you aren't now, nowhere's coming. And I know the fork in the road is going to come because you're human. There will be choices and big ones. And I know in those times, that's when I'm desperate to hear God. So how does this work? There's the promise. That's not been my reality, and I'm guessing it isn't yours either. Well, let's look, let's look close, more closely at this. I think it'll be revealing to us. It'll help understanding the context here. So in verse 18, this is what God's doing. So I am here to say to you, there's such giftedness in this piece of scripture for us. There is truth here. So God is waiting in those times leading up to a fork of the road. What's he waiting to do? God, therefore the Lord waits to be, what is that word? 
Okay, you're, I know you're Lutherans and we're not supposed to talk in church, but you can do it. It's going to be okay. We can talk. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious. God is waiting not to punish. So before we move on, God is not ready to lightning bolt you to death. God is not waiting for you to take the wrong turn and is waiting to be like, oh man, I get to smite them because God loves to smite. God does not love to smite. God is not waiting with his binocular God eyes for you to make the mistake and now he won't love you anymore. No, God is waiting to be gracious. And not only that, he will rise up to show, what's that word? Mercy. So God is waiting in these times, and he's waiting to be gracious, and he's waiting to give mercy. He's not waiting to punish. This is huge, huge, that God is paying attention. And God's waiting for just the right time. And now it does remind us the Lord is a God of justice. So there is a check and balance. God is working, and he's waiting. And then it says, blessed are those who wait for him. So if you're waiting right now, wondering, is God going to show up? There's blessing in that, we're told. So even when God isn't acting or talking, we're told here, there's blessing there. So if you're waiting for something, for a job, or or maybe you're waiting, I don't know, maybe you're you're waiting for some really good news um, of family or friends, or maybe you're waiting, you feel like this is your time of life, you're waiting for the one, or you're waiting, whatever it is. There can be blessing in that. I'm going to cling to that in those waiting times. I, I hope you can too. So let's move on. Verse 19, it gives us even better things. Truly, oh, people in Zion, now these are the people that are hurting, okay? People who are wondering and they're broken. So they're crying. He says, guess what you're going to do? You're going to weep no more. You're crying right now. But God's waiting, remember. He's got gracious actions and mercy for you. So you will weep no more. You might be right now but that's coming. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. So you know what it means? In those waiting times, God is waiting, and in the times that we are crying, in the times that we're hurting, in the times when we cry out, it says God is actually listening, and God will answer us. So there is promise in that. God isn't just like flitting around saying, oh, these people are more important or those people are more important. No, he's listening to you, especially when you're brokenhearted, especially when you're hurting, especially when you're feeling anxious, especially when you're feeling shame. God is there for you. Now let's move on. He's going to answer. Now, now this, this is going to be the hardest piece of this, okay? Verse 20. Though the Lord may give you the bread, that sounds good, of what? of adversity and the water of affliction. Okay, now I'm guessing when you get to that fork of the road, maybe you're there right now, you're like, which decision is the best one, God? I have never, ever, ever in my life, not once, said, God, make me suffer. God, can you give me a double helping of adversity? Because I really need that right now. And God, if you could really just, you could afflict me, that would be super. That would be so good. Do you ask for that? Because if you do, I want to pray for you, because that sounds weird. But here it's saying, the Lord is giving us that. Do you get that? So are you in pain right now? Do you have adversity? Conflict? Are you suffering? 
you feel like something's hitting you in the, like below the belt, it doesn't mean God isn't there. In fact, that may mean God is there. So when we get to the fork of the road, I triple dog dare you next time to say, God, make me uncomfortable. God, if there's affliction, help me to see you in it. Because in this, here's, here's the, the beauty. Adversity and affliction, yep, he's going to give that. But what is the gift in it? Here it is. Yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher. So in those times, guess who shows up? I yell, by the way, when someone falls asleep. So uh, way to not nod off, but a couple of you are right now, I know. That's why I yell. What happens in adversity and affliction? God is giving that sometimes. It is a gift, and it's so that we can see God. So we can know God isn't far away because God is waiting, remember? Waiting to be gracious, waiting to give mercy, waiting to give unconditional love for you. He's waiting for you, like just ready to pounce. And so now, after all this, we know the promise that's going to happen. And now you come to the fork of the road, just like God's people. And in verse 21, we see it again. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, your ear shall hear a word saying, this is the way, walk in it. God's speaking. So we've gotten all that. Why isn't God speaking? Well, God isn't Alexis. Can you believe that? God isn't Siri. And if you think he's our little genie waiting to just take the right path, then, then we have to come back to who God really is. And I think what happens with this piece of scripture is I've read it for years the wrong way. And it took me, it, it, it took me for literally looking at it for year after year after year on my shelf and being so inspired by it and saying, God, just let me listen more. Let me pray harder. But now I realize that's, that's not what the verse is saying, that God is going to give us the directions and all at once life will be better. That is not what it says at all. It says, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, your ears shall hear a word behind you. So, you got that fork of the road. You're there. You're in Kenoa. You're hurting. You're wondering. You're praying. And God says, if you're going to take a left, he's like, yep. God, should I take a right? And God's like, Yep. Because God's saying no matter what decision you make, whether you, it's the right one or the wrong one, whether it's one that's going to feel like blessing or one that's going to give you adversity, his voice is right there saying, I am with you. That I'm not, I'm not going to just give you the direction. I'm going to go on the way with you. Do you see how that changes everything? That means there's no turn that you can make that God isn't with you. There's no decision that shuts the door on God's grace for you. There's no turn that gets you so far that, that you, you can get away from God. Because every turn, every moment, he's right there saying, I'm with you. So for years, I thought he was, he was the GPS machine and I was just doing it wrong. And now I realize God's saying, go on your way and I'm just cheerleading you and supporting you and picking you up in the times that you need it most. Are you in the fork of the road today? God's with you. He loves you. And hundreds of years later, after Isaiah told these broken people this gift of a, of a scripture, God did send. He sent our Savior. And his name is 
His name is? Okay, you're Lutheran. You've got to do better than that. He's our Savior. God sent us Jesus. And Jesus, in the, in the night before, he was going to face the cross itself. He knew it. He hung out with those 12 men that had followed him for three years. And he shared a meal with them. And then he said something crazy. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And they're like, what? You are? He said, absolutely. He says, and you know the way. Like, uh, Jesus, uh, I don't have the map. That's what Thomas said. I'm pretty sure that's one of the translations. Well, I don't have a map. Uh, what does Siri say? And what Jesus says is this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God doesn't want to just simply give you direction. God wants to be with you. It's not a place you're going to by following Jesus. It is a person, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus came to be with us forever. And he promises, promises to come back for you and for me. And so I think when we get to that turn, Jesus actually does tell us something, and it's going to be uncomfortable. He says, take that turn, and what will happen with it? This is crazy. Take the turn, you're dead. I think that's what Jesus is telling us today. Take the turn and die. He took the way of the cross, and now he says, do the same. And so when you're saying, what if it could be like, God, which turn is it? How can I die? What does that mean? It means maybe by taking the turn and following Jesus, we die to our selfish needs. The things that we say, God, this is for me, and I, I want you just to bless it, but it's really just for you and not for God. So take the, re- take the turn that God asks and sacrifice that. Let that die, because God has a path. And maybe Jesus is saying, take that turn and die. Take the turn to let go of shame, of guilt, of wrong turns you've taken. I know you've taken them. You're human. Let those die. Because I have a new path for you, a path where I'm with you. And maybe you have something else that's just hanging on you and you're afraid and you're anxious. Let that die. So Jesus, Jesus can be with you. Now that's a gift today. That God is with you and me. So let's take that turn. And hear the whole way. This is the way. Walk in it. Because I'm your God. Amen.